Good morning, Redemption Church. Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 2, verses 13 to 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right, church. So as we just saw in the time where we read from Ephesians chapter 2, this conversation of racism and the gospel is directly connected to what was happening in the early church and the reality of Jesus coming and reconciling individuals and a people to himself and to each other. And as a church, we say all of life is all for Jesus. And the reality, myself and the elders and, and, and those of us on this panel, the conviction that um, we as a church even, I think, get to choose which parts of life are for Jesus. And, 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 the, and the conviction that I have as a pastor and to lead into our time here together is that, is that all of life has to be brought into the person and work of Jesus. And so when we get into our time together, um, I want to even encourage you to have that scripture up, have your Bible open to look into how important um, our relationship with each other it is and how much Jesus cares centrally about this. And, and I, I want to say this out of the gates that, Talking about race, talking about the marginalized, talking about poverty, talking about the sanctity of human life from unborn all throughout life, um, any other conversation like that is not an extracurricular conversation. It's, it's a gospel conversation. And so that's, that's the platform that I and we as a church are launching into this conversation. And, and I'm really thankful and excited to um, have some friends, some people who are m- m- members of our church. Um, all four of you are who, who, who lead in various ways in our church, who we've seen and been blessed by in, in different ways. And, and just thank you for your um, willingness to be a part of this this panel. So how about we just kind of go down um, the line and can you just introduce yourselves first? Um, yeah. So let's just go ahead and, and do that first. My name is Joel Harris and um, I'm a, a worship leader here at the church. My name is Jenny Bell and I also am a worship leader, but Joel's way better with the tambourine. So I'm going <laughs> to give him that credit. 
My name is Elliot Winack, and um, I play the cowbell. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I serve in children's ministry. Uh, my name is Torrance Wade, and I am a worship contributor because they can both sing better than me. So I hang out in the back. Yeah, and you guys all lead as RC leaders and different things, missionary with uh, Athletes in Action, so a lot of different roles. And um, can you guys just share now why you are willing to be a part of this this panel? Um, I think I want to be a part and join the church with coming up with a solution to end these injustices that we're seeing you know, played out constantly. I think this is a time now where the church has to really rise up and, you know, I'm joining. I, w I want to be a part of that, hmm. figure out a solution. So, well. I'm sitting on this panel because for me, and even just I think of my history with redemption, I feel like I want more people like me in our church. I want more people like me to feel safe in our church. I want to be a pioneer to not only understand my story being biracial, I'm black and white, but to help other people also navigate those, those same issues and, and be, yeah, help be a voice um, for issues that I think we need to talk about. Wow. I think the first thing is just I want to stand in solidarity, um, that this is a gospel issue that um, white people need to press into and I want to press into and um, speak about and, and push back on systemic injustice, police brutality, I mean, you name it. Um, well. Yeah, I think I'm a part of this panel because um, people that are non-white matter, and they bear the image of God. And I don't think that that is as important, um, and it needs to be important. Um, so that's that's how I want to contribute to that idea. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. I know even we all had a lot of conversation out of the gates about this and, and even, honestly, whether or not we should do it like this and what kind of format we should do. Um, something that we, we talked about, church, and I just want to say is there's no way we're going to cover everything. And I think we all need to just kind of feel that freedom um, and kind of feel that. And also, we, we talked about what's most important is that this feel more like a conversation that we're walking through. We're not answering every question. I'll say it because, I mean, sadly, it can be presented this way that no one on this panel is speaking on behalf of black people everywhere or, um, you know, that, that um, what, what we talked about and what I'm so humbled by and thankful for is um, different things that have been said about, again, like a willingness, a desire to, um, to enter into, to be a part of, to lead out in um, our church growing in Christ's likeness. And, and I know there's a lot of vulnerability, I think, even just in that. And, and, and I want to say, um, and just encourage, and again, as we have just to view this as a family conversation, and I would say if you have any questions or concerns, um, I'd ask you specifically to please direct those toward me. Um, you can email Tucson at redemptionaz.com and uh, myself or an elder or an, another staff member will, will respond. So please um, do that. And I want to even encourage that and invite that kind of conversation because I know there, there's some, some, um, some, some difficulty ending into this conversation. And so with that, kind of out of the gates, um, um, let's just even ask that question. Why is it, specifically a church like ours that is majority culture, predominantly white church, 
why is talking about racism, even connected to the gospel, so loaded and so difficult yeah. often? Yeah. And again, like Dave was saying, we can't touch on everything. But what I hope is that we can start somewhere. Um, and again, this is under the presumption that it is difficult and it's real. Um, I think one reason why racism is so difficult for white Christians is honestly the belief that it ended, that it ended a long time ago, that it ended when slavery was abolished, that it ended when segregation went away. And that's just not true. I mean, it was only 30 years ago when my parents could have been married. Um, it's like, I think about that, like, if, if it, it was just that short. It's only a generation. Um, so racism's real. That's why it's so difficult because a lot of people think, why are we bringing this up again as if it's in the past? And it's not in the past. It's in the present. I, mean, I think a, a couple other reasons. And again, I personally connect to some of these because I am biracial. I have felt the tension that my black brothers and sisters wade in waters that I don't have to wade in because I get passes in ways hmm. just by my appearance. If I straighten my hair, if I wear certain clothing, if I speak a certain way, I can pass. And so one of those difficulties, I think, is just thinking you need to be perfect at this. Like, you need to be the perfect ally. Like, you can't make any mistakes. You know, heaven forbid that you mess up. And I just want to speak to that. Like, it's very easy for white Christians to think that that means I'm racist now. Like, I messed up. Oh, no, my character is now under attack. And the honest truth is, like, if you're afraid of making a mistake, like, if that is the biggest fear there, you kind of need to just accept that you will. We will. And just because you're a person of color doesn't mean that you have it all together. Like, I'm still going to mess up because my black sisters are encountering things that I won't have to, even though I'm black. So mm. I think that just makes it difficult for white Christians because we want to do it perfectly. And I think there's an expectation to do it perfectly. I don't know where that's coming from, but there's an issue there. Um, I think the second reason is just defensiveness. I think any criticism... Well, here, let me say this. When a person of color, whether it be a friend or family member or a person in the media, if they bring up a, a, a truth or a injustice, it's seen as criticism. It's seen as an attack. And that's not actually what it is. Because the truth is, like, defensiveness, it makes a really oppressive culture. It makes it really hard for people to be heard and seen. You know, like... When people are defensive, if you hear a person of color, whether it's like, you know, something in the news or a family member saying this is injustice, if you're taking that as defense, you're probably afraid of losing something. Mm. What are you afraid of losing? Power, like status, relationship, oh. the integrity, your perfect reputation that you've worked so hard for to be like a perfect ally. So there's a fear wow. there that I think that the white Christian is going to feel and has to accept. Wow. What am I afraid of? And lastly, I think it's just a right to comfort. And I think that speaks to the greater systemic reason that a lot of white people, and again, we're not saying that white is bad or evil. I am white. We're not saying that. But the majority culture has had comforts and powers and privileges that other people haven't. So when you feel uncomfortable, it's going to feel... Like, whoa, what's wrong here? Wow. Because everything is supposed to be set up to make me not feel that way. Mm. Wow. And so that's what happens. And that's where we get to start blaming people. You're bringing these issues up. Like, I, we were doing fine. We had a kumbaya thing going. But the truth is, like, 
your comfort, like if you're feeling comfortable, that, that's not an assumption that everyone else is. So I think those three reasons are why these conversations are, are so hard. Wow. And what happens is if, if we stop at those three reasons, if we don't press into them, silence is the result. Mm. And what's really painful is silence hurts everyone, hurts people of color, hurts white people. It, it damages everyone. So wow. I think those are some hurdles that you just have to accept and know they're coming. Wow. Um, Jenny, I know you worked with uh, college ministry and discipleship and evangelism and, um, and then Elliot, you're, you, you do that now and, and you've been a bit, you have a big heart for discipleship and, and things like that. And so stuff that Jenny just said, sounds like, I mean, how is that connected to just discipleship which is obviously about the gospel, right? Growing in the gospel. Like, how is it? Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, this is a gospel issue. So let's start with something you said, Jenny, that was so powerful. First of all, um, Jenny said that, like, I think you said, uh, we're so white people as a white Christian, I'm so afraid of being labeled a racist. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a misunderstanding of the gospel. Um, white people, we are racist. I am racist. Just like mm-hmm. sin is embedded within me, Racism is a sin, no different than any other sin, anger, yes. lust, you name it. Yes. There's not a day wow. that I wake up and I'm like, man, I, I've, I beat my anger, I beat my <laughs> lust, I beat my greed today. No, friends, racism like any other sin, right? So, so I think wow. if we begin from that place, it's a very humbling place because of society. Society says good people aren't racist. Bad people are racist, card-carrying members of the KKK, and we cannot be linked to that. Yes. So another thing, if my dear friend Torrance brings up something, he says, Elliot, hey, um, when you said this, it really hurt. If I re- respond to that out of defensiveness, the first thing I forget is how much risk Torrance took to bring that up. Mm. Mm. And, and how much of an honor, the fact, if Torrance would bring that up to me, how much that means about our relationship, mm. our friendship, and so I just, I think I want us to know, like, as I'm dealing with, like, trying to grow in this area of sin in my life, I want to be open to these conversations because actually it's the opposite. And I don't have to be defensive because it's actually a huge step of trust and faith that Torrance is extending to me. And I'm going, yes. you know, And I will say to that discomfort messing up that is the root of growth Mm. it's like uh if you throw pots okay i've like you know i've tried and i'm terrible at it but you know like if you're like you know throwing pot and clay on the wheel you're not expected to make your perfect pot the first time like if you go into it thinking that way you're going to be very disappointed you need to go at that wheel hundreds of times and create dozens of terrible looking pots before you actually start to see progress. And while I say, let's just question, you talked about racism, it's such a taboo topic. Why is it so taboo? Is it maybe because it's a big issue? Like, have we questioned why racism gets like the number one spot on the root of all evil? Maybe it's because it's an issue we haven't addressed. Mm. Maybe that's why it has so much fear attached to it because it's gotten so big. If we like open up that box, there's no going back. Yeah. I also think that it's the reason why it, we don't talk about it or it's so weighty um, is because I, I think that it feels like we bear the weight of all, like we bear all that weight to be honest. And then when we bring it up to you, to your point, um, it can, 
it can just fall on deaf ears and it, mm. it really hurts. And also, I don't think it matters as much as um, biblical literacy, which that in and of itself is like, how, how do you separate the two? Like, there, one isn't better than the other, right? You can't have one without the other. But I think um, the white church as a whole is very much based on education. So you have to know the Bible, not really to shower yourself in scripture, yes, to remind yourself of promises, yes, but also for a badge. And so Mm. um, when it comes to racism and social uh, issues, that doesn't fit in that puzzle. It just, you're like Mm -hmm. feeling is involved in there instead of intellectual um, like uh, pulling up your bootstraps or what have you, like just yeah. pushing through so I can know this. Mm. Um, yes. so. Man, dude, on that, on that point, um, just like there are other areas where we wouldn't be so okay with that. Like, mm. I don't know, you know, we've heard about some of the like famous missionaries and you kind of dig in about some of their relationships with their spouses, things like that. And it's like, whoa, that's horrible. Like that's not that's not okay. How were you out there preaching the gospel and trying to invite people to put their faith in Christ? And you're, you were abusive, like, or incredibly neglectful. And yet that's just interesting that as you bring that up, it's like, man, we, we kind of can pick and choose a little bit. There's there's also like um, certain theologians that we have read about who had slaves, you know, they would go out and preach and then they still had, you know, slaves and things like that. And, you know, so it's like, it's kind of like they're speaking out of two sides of their, you know, their their mouth. But uh, with racism, I mean, I also think it's too, it's a heart issue, right? And that's something like, you know, the Bible talks about um, in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and Mm. lead me in the way everlasting. So we're called to always be checking our hearts, you know. And I think that's what doesn't get um, people when they talk about racism, they don't consider it maybe a heart issue. Yeah, and they don't. Um, see someone that's non-white as an image bearer. Um, so therefore, you're not going to give an image bearer dignity because they don't deserve it. They're lower than you. And so why would I have to check my heart on any of this? Because that's not a problem. Racism yeah. is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> man, I feel your passion. <laughs> I know. We're going to get good. out this. Someone's going to stand up. This is the problem. Yeah. This is, it's a biblical issue. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, vertical, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer goes, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story, what? Of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is a racial other to the Jew, right? The Good Samaritan is a different racial group. And when Jesus tells the story, the Good Samaritan becomes the hero in the story, which is just blowing our minds away. And so it's like what happens in white evangelical Christianity is that we have focused on the vertical relationship with God. It's my relationship with Jesus. Hmm. It's my relationship with Jesus. And we don't read the gospel as my relationship with Jesus includes loving my neighbor as myself. When we read Ephesians 2, we love Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Yeah. We love Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. 
we, which is all about God reconciling the vertical relationship with humanity, we forget that 11 through 22 is this God reconciling um, our relationship with one another. Specifically, in Ephesians 2, it's an it's, it's, it's issue of race. And then lastly, in Revelation 7, this was funny. Friends, when it's all said and done, we're going to do two things in heaven. Revelation 7, 9, check it. We're going to worship God the Father in every, with those from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Yes. Yes. That's the future. Yes. Dude. And and I will say this. If you are listening to this and you're like, I I want, I don't understand that or I don't understand that passion. I will say, and I feel like I can speak confidently. You have to start to look at the history. Like, because here's the thing. There are genuinely white Christians at the very best naive at the very mm, yeah. best, not knowing. You know, there are people that don't understand the Ignorant. history. It's Ignorant. Easy, yeah. Don't understand Jim Crow. Don't understand redlining. Don't understand the prison system. I, I, I get that. I wasn't raised to understand those things. I was raised colorblind. Mm. My dad married a black mother, a black woman, and looked at me and said, Jenny, you're not any race. You're just who you are. Mm-hmm. What? So I was raised to believe that, no, like, you can be anything you want to be. Like, that, none of that stuff is real. So I will say this. At the very least, if you are naive and ignorant, there is there's a solution. You can start somewhere. But the very worst, to your point, you're just dismissive. You're mm. dismissive of, of what we're talking about. What you're saying yeah. is, like, yeah, that person's created the image of God, but they're dealing with things I'm not dealing with. So mm. they can look to Jesus for it. They can get help. I'll do my thing. They do their thing. Wow. So I'm just saying you can't fall. You have to be an anti-racist. Mm-hmm. You have to decide, am I going to be for dismantling these systems? Or am I going to say, well, it is what it is. The systems are already there. It doesn't matter. What's a little injustice? Can't they wait? Wow. So you can't sit. You can't sit in the middle. You can't. Wherever, wherever mm. you are. Wow, that's huge. There's so much going on here. Like we said, right? We acknowledged to to what you guys have said. I just because it's right there. Elliot said we love Ephesians two one through ten. I would argue we'd like to stop at nine and maybe just tack on ten because I even as you said that. Again, look in the Bible with me if you're if you need to see this. It says verse ten: For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then the, the next part goes into oneness in Christ, into, again, a horizontally reconciled people. And, and yet we act as though we, what is created to walk in good works mean? We limit it to have a quiet time, maybe give some tithes, do this again, these parts. And, and if we're going to say all of life, like, and I think it is all of life, it, like Paul is taking us to understanding, to empathy. Um, that's something, this is definitely, I mean, this is all kind of off script, but I just, man, I think one of the things that I've, rec- I've, I've recognized in the last three weeks, especially, is so much of an unwillingness to even stop and try to understand, to be empathetic, to empathize. That, that, that a common phrase that comes right out is, what are the facts? What's, what's the context around this? What, give me all the details. And I look, at, I look at George Floyd and I watch the video 
what and, and there's just this and it goes i think someone was talking about the intellectualization of our faith but how does that play out and again this is uh we're just i'm just kind of throwing that in there but i think we're riddled with it and we have thoughts and maybe it is connected to what's brought up of white fragility of man i don't want to I don't want to be racist. I don't know. I mean, it, but, but I think there, there's an inability and unwillingness to, to, to empathize. I don't think that you can, though, almost. Because mm. if you have white skin, you automatically have power, mm. period. If you're non-white, it is what it is. And you just have to figure out everything else. Wow. So... I think really empathizing, the reason why I say I don't know if you can fully empathize, because Sinead tells, tells me this all the time, like, Sinead will get very fired up about something that, that has an, a direct impact on me, and then she'll say, but, I, but also I don't, like, you've already probably thought this 30 times, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. 100 times, it's been your life, you know that whole thing? Mm -hmm. So... I think that um, it's very difficult for you to empathize, which is probably why you don't really see Jesus as, um, or majority culture doesn't see Jesus as someone really coming for an oppressed people. Like, mm, wow. you're not really oppressed. Like, you don't know what that feels like, mm -hmm. right? Wow. You don't know what, like, fear feels like, on, nearly. Like, yeah. if I'm... My dad is a police officer. He's been a police officer of TPD for almost 20 years. Me and my dad would both say we are still afraid if, some, if we're pulled over. Oh. That, is, that is a reality that you don't have to experience. So for you to empathize is like, I don't, you just can't fully press into that almost yeah um, you know i i was thinking too like like when all these things have happened it's like the the black community like we really take on like the weight of we feel it you know what i'm saying like when uh like when ahmad when that stuff happened with ahmad i mean i i don't even know ahmad but the fact that i jog and i enjoy like working out outside i connected i'm like man that could have been me or Ahmad was, you know, around the same age as my two older nephews. I'm like, that could have been one of them, you know? So I think the black community, we have that sense of, like, communal, like, you know, togetherness. Even though we don't know these um, people, you know, right? Like, they're just, they're strangers to us. But we take on that weight and we feel it. We're empathetic in that way, right? Wow. And really feel, so. And I think part wow. of that is because of the trauma. Yeah. Trauma. You know, when something traumatic happens to you, abusive, even witnessing trauma, if you read about lynching, even the purpose of lynching was not necessarily for the person being lynched. It was for everyone watching. The purpose of lynching was to have an audience because what those white men wanted to do was traumatize the black community. And the power of trauma is like what you said, something you can only understand when it's done to you when it's done to you. So what happens is when you've been traumatized for, okay, let's say 400 years, okay? So your, your grandparents were traumatized, your parents were traumatized, 
you're still traumatized because again, racism has not ended. So when these shootings come up, it's rebirth of the trauma. The trauma comes back. It comes back even harder sometimes. So that is why I think it's so difficult for white people to say, I want to empathize. Well, you're not being, you're not being traumatized. And, and until the systems, like as long as the systems stay where they are, you will never be traumatized because of your skin. You will not. I have not experienced trauma that my darker brothers and sisters have. And you know what? I want to feel it for them. I'm like, somebody, somebody do something to me so I can resonate with this, this part of me. But it won't happen. I will get that past no matter what. Wow. So I think the, the answer to that then is to start putting yourself in opportunities for trauma on behalf of people of color. That wow. means a harsh criticism from a family member. That means uh, uh, standing at the front line on a protest. That means standing up for somebody in the grocery store. You need to experience that trauma. Mm. You need to join in the trauma if you're going to start to get it. Wow. At the very least, reading about it, looking at the pictures of the lynchings, reading about slave narratives, watching movies, getting educated, start to go into the trauma. And I would add to that, for the person that would say, oh, that's not biblical, I don't have to do that, this, that, and the third. If you really believe that to live is Christ and to die is gain, and Mm. you really believe that we're image bearers of God, then... Standing, sitting in that trauma wow. is nothing. Yeah, wow. What are you going to do? Die? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And be with yeah. Christ? So Man. you have nothing to lose um, for listening to a brother sitting and a brother or sister sitting with them. Um, because all you have is, like, that's a, that's a gain. That's a gain. Yes. I, I don't have the wow. quote specifically, but um, I'm reading a book by a guy who was once a slave and uh, it's called Plain Theology for Plain People. Mm. And in the, the quote is essentially, he says that Christian wisdom comes from being around people that are um, ethnically, di- ethnically different, um, the socioeconomic status of them, um, and the list goes on. Wisdom comes from that. So if you're only drinking from the well of whoever looks like you, your wisdom level is only going to go so far. You're only going to consume so much before it's really the same thing over and over and over again, but you don't actually know that it is. Wow. Man, that's huge. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so central to the gospel that we, we've, we've even said before, we've, there have been different quotes that um, we all, but especially I think majority culture, white evangelical Christians, we read Exodus and assume we're the Israelites. And the reality is we are Egypt. At best, we are neutral Egyptians and there's this oppressive Pharaoh and, 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 and there's so, and I think Jesus' ministry so much, I was just looking at Titus and there's, when we preached through that a while ago, the direction that he goes that 
that, that Paul goes when he writes to Titus is showing that basically more work is required from the father who has the most power and influence in the household of God, in the family of God, to be close to Christ means you need to give up more because you have so much more, because you have so much privilege, so much this. And then when he gets in and, and he talks about um, women and, and slaves and children, there's it's like, hey, you're like right there next to Jesus. You're already so close to, to the life of Jesus who gave everything up, who suffered. And, and so again, this idea, idea is what you said, Jenny, is so true that for us, it takes more work to move into places of, um, of suffering and it, and, and everything in us though says, no, I don't want to do that. I don't, everything in me says, I don't want to suffer. And I, I mean, there's, I have so many questions from even things that have been said and there'll be some follow up and different things. So we'll have opportunity for that. Um, Joel, you brought something up when we've talked that, um, he actually taught me a new term. It sounded like a sociology term. But as I pressed in and looked at some scripture and, you, and you've brought up some of this of like, we evaluate things, we engage in things from a certain place and it's coming from somewhere. And you talked earlier about, um, in the Psalm, about our hearts. Yeah. Can you expound some more on, on that? Yeah, so the, the term that Dave is referring to is um, implicit bias. Um, and what implicit bias is, is the process of associating stereotypes or attitudes towards categories of people without conscience awareness, right? And so with these biases, they are, I think that they are learned at a young age. Hmm. Like, I think that they are, they're not something that, um, they're formed there, but, um, and it's probably perhaps by, you know, kids or us, you know, learning and hearing things, uh, disparaging remarks hmm. of color comments um, about people of color from parents, grandparents, um, or negative um, depictions in the media um, of people of color, right? Hmm. Um, and I think that they're also learned, too, from just bad uh, individual experiences that people have with, you know, other races. Hmm. Those, are, those are how these implicit biases form. But if they are, like, really left unchecked, then they can be really dangerous. Wow. Because they can lead to snap judgment decisions that people make that are negative about the person. Um, and they can even eventually end up, you know, lead to killing, which is what we're seeing now, right? In, all, in, in these, these three uh, recent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just like an example would be, like, assuming all... Um, illegal Mexicans that come over are um, drug smugglers. Mm. That they're like smuggling in drugs and things like that. Or it's uh, assuming that someone who wears a, um, a hijab and thinks that, uh, thinks that they are a terrorist, right? It's like after 9-11, that was kind of like the, that was all that you heard, right? Um, or assuming that all black men are, are dangerous and that we are just, you know, we should be like locked up, we're beastly, right? And a mm. lot of that stuff too comes from, um, there was a movie, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to forget the... I don't remember the name of the movie, but... I know what you're talking Birth about. Of Birth of a Nation, that's yes. right. Birth of a Nation. And it, it, it depicts, um, uh, it was a, a white actor that was in blackface. And it depicts him like basically vandalizing and like terrorizing like women. And that was kind of like the first, it was a silent film too. Um, and so th that was kind of like the first kind of start of these negative depictions that have kind of gone on in our society. Um, but it's just been really damaging, right, yeah. across, across the, the whole board. And to add on to that, like, 
that was a blockbuster. Like that movie, that was everywhere. And that was a response to, okay, okay, so now, you know, we've abolished slavery, but you know what? We culturally are not ready to see these people as image bearers, so we need to create a new narrative that says they're not. And uh. really, that's what, that's what you are up against, white Christian. You're up against a narrative that I'm not saying you're responsible for. We didn't start that narrative. Yeah. I think mm. it's very easy to, to feel the guilt and then to feel like, well, you're saying that I wanted that. You're saying that I'm the, re- no, 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 no. It was a narrative that people not on this earth anymore made decisions for, but just because you didn't start it does not mean you don't have a responsibility in it. Like when my kids are acting crazy in the grocery store, it's not my fault. I didn't tell them to do all that. I didn't tell them to start acting the way they know that they shouldn't be, but it's my responsibility to step in Mm. because they got a narrative that I can't let, I can't allow it. So to your point, those biases... They're so strong because the culture, it precedes action. And even the most recent, there was a magazine cover on entertainment of LeBron, LeBron James, basically like in kind of a, a stance, like a power stance, but it was very reminiscent of King Kong. And um, a model, I think it was Giselle, was like next to him, like kind of like, oh no. Like those are real, that's modern. Like they're, they're, the racist narrative is still going on. It just is now... Mm. It's subtle. It doesn't have a hood anymore. It's just, and we have to fight that narrative. Again, you can't sit in the middle. Can I speak to that a little? Because you're probably sitting there going, um, if you're a white Christian watching this, you're probably going, oh, heck no. No, no, I don't believe that. No, 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 that's not right. And here's the deal. It's subtle. I am telling you, when I look at a black man, the first thought that's going to come into my mind is that he's more dangerous than whoever else it is on this earth. And it's not the thought I'm putting in there. It's wow. there. And I need to realize that. Mm. I need to recognize that. I need to accept that. that I need to accept that. And what, and, but if I don't accept that, okay, mm-hmm. then I have okay. no power to begin to address it. Okay. Wow. Once I accept it, then I can move forward. Friends, please. We have to be humble enough to receive the crap deep in us and look at it square in the face wow. and say, oh my goodness. And we also need to relax a little bit and just take a deep breath. And, and, and I think just... you. It doesn't necessarily mean you put it in there. We feed it. Yes. It's there. And it, but, but once we agree to it, we see it. Now we can begin to push back on the narratives in my own mind. And that's really where it starts. Can I just say, too, like any other sin, because here's the thing. If I was struggling with pride, nobody would say to me, you know yeah. what? You're proud forever. That's your identity. Yeah. That's who you are. You're proud, Jenny. No, that's <laughs> not what somebody would say. I would say, you're a child of God. You're above that sin. That sin does not power over you. And it's the same for racism. I can say I have racist tendencies in me, but not, mm. I'm not defined by it. Wow. And some of that, you know what's funny? If we were talking about a different sin, we would start to give application of like, well, you need to take in things that, that 
give a different truth. You need to fight pride with humility. You need to be doing things that make you more humble. Well, in the same vein, you need to be taking in other influences that promote people of color, that shine humanity on people of color, that give people of color dignity. You need to be reading from authors and watching movies and doing those kinds of things. You need to fight the current because it will sweep you away. You can't wait for the government and the larger culture to start doing the changes. They won't do the work. You can't wait. Um, speaking of that, like I just in talking about these, you know, biases that uh, exist. Um, I was just reflecting, and I feel like my whole life has been dismantling these like negative stereotypes of like what a black man is. I mean, I, I grew up in the suburbs. I mean, I, I my dad had talks with my brother and I about how we dress, mm. you know, how we um, who we hang around. And things like that, um, he, you know, because he knew what it was going to take to raise a black man in this country. You Can know? you real quick explain the, the talks? How there's yeah. not just one talk. A lot of white Christians, we think, oh, there's a talk. It's about sex. Yeah. Yeah, and no, we're no. We're still having talks right now, and I'm okay. 27 years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But go ahead. Yeah, the, uh-huh. the talk is, it was, it was about race. It was about the things that we were going to experience being uh, black males in this country. Um, and it is something that my dad had and my, my mom had with me at a young age, like at six. And it's been ongoing. Like, and in fact, most recently, my dad sent me over. Um, it was 10 ways to survive if you ever get pulled over by the cops. And it was just like this list of all these things that, <laughs> that you have to do just to you know, not end up on the news, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even think that stuff even... If I follow this list to a T, I'm like, I don't even think that that would matter, you know, because if someone doesn't think that my life is valuable, it's, it's going to end right there, Man. you know, um, wow. and that's the, that's, the, that's the sign of the times of where we're at right now, you know, and, and now I'm having to have these talks now with my kids, you know, who are uh, a biracial, uh, Mexican and um, African-American and um, my my oldest is eight, my daughter is six, and then my other my other is um, three, and we're having these talks now with them at a young age because I just want to prepare them for just the realities of what this world is. And wow. um, I mean, I think it's important. I think it, the the earlier you can have these conversations with your kids, the better. So. Wow. Can I just speak to that? I, what I hear you say is when it's going to happen. When, and I think that touches on most people say well you know why isn't racism over if we had the power to end it we would have ended it a long time ago if our grandparents had the power to end it they would have ended it a long time ago you know if my grandpa living in the slough in the south during jim crow they would have ended it we like what you said you you need to prepare for the inevitable you need to prepare for what's already there because we do not have the power. The people in control have the power to change it. And that is why the call is so dire to white brothers and sisters. Mom. You have the power. We don't. Mm. Wow. We need to own that. Um, I need to own that. Parents... You have the power in your household. Yeah. If you want to go do X, Y, or Z, it's going to happen. The kids, and I don't like this. This is not a good analogy. But but just the the power is where it happens. And white people, I, we have the power. White men, we have the power. 
Um, and I think we need to know that. And we need to also see Philippians 2, what did Jesus do? Yeah. He, he left the power, yep. he left the privilege Dude. to come to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to get to my notes, Dave. Is that cool? Yeah, man. So my thought process is, first I want to talk about the talk that Joel was mentioning. My dad, I mentioned he's a police officer. My whole life, he always like pulled me and my brother in the room, and he would tell us to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you can't ever forget what you look like, and you can never use it as an excuse. Like, Think about that, those, those two concepts like you can't use this as an excuse even though this can be really bad for you you can't you can't use it as an excuse um Mm. so that was my whole life that talk my mom is still having that talk with me after what happened Trayvon I would wear my hood around the house she'd say take it off take it off take it off the other thing is my um when I was in first grade I think I had a girlfriend, as we all do in first grade. And, I didn't. Uh, Wait. You know, I tried, but no. Hey, man. You know? <laughs> uh, so I remember, like, I don't know. We dated for a week, right? And uh, <laughs> Felt like eternity. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So then she tells me we can't be together because black and white people don't mix. Wow. And I don't, th- I don't remember going home and thinking, like, I'm slowly processing that today, I think. Mm. Um, and so all those experiences communicate the value of white skin. If you have white skin, your whole life is different. And it almost doesn't matter what continent you're on, to be honest. Um, wow. Like, Sinead's from Australia... There's Aboriginal kind of tension. And again, they're a couple shades lighter than me, or you know what I'm saying? We're in the. So, white skin is so powerful. Um, when you have white skin, it's not just like socioeconomic privilege that you have. Yeah. It, just, it just dignifies you from the jump. You don't have to do anything yeah. to earn anybody's respect, really, because. Out of the mouth, whatever you say is already taken as valid. It's the first thing. Um, you don't have to explain yourself. You, you can live a life of pretty much normal, normalcy. Um, you can be forgiven so easily. Mm. Um, I don't want to get political, but the, the difference between Trump and Obama is so different. Like, Obama wasn't even in, in presidency, and he was already unforgiven for things he didn't even do, right? So... Your ability to be forgiven is so easy. Um, and you are also innocent until proven guilty. That is a fact. Wow. Um, to your point about the facts, why do you want the facts? Because we want to know what made him guilty. Yeah, yeah. Right? We don't really care about his innocence, mm. right? So yeah. those are a couple of things. The other thing that I want to mention is... Um, the fear that I have that you will never experience, I mentioned it earlier, of two things. I'm afraid of the Christian that 
would say this isn't a gospel issue because I don't know if I'm the next um, headline Hashtag. if you if you care about that. I don't I don't I can't rely that no. you will stand up for me, that you will not try to get the facts, that you will X, Y, and Z because you don't think this is a gospel issue. You don't, you don't think my image matters. You're not dignifying me. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing that I'm afraid of is just as Joel said, as Jenny has said, this, these waters are very scary. Wow. Um, I'm afraid to have kids. I don't know what they'll look like. I don't know what their experience is going to be. My, my wife is white, so who knows what their complexion is going to be. But, like, I'm afraid that I won't come home to Shanae. Like, th- those things, I'm afraid that if me and Shanae are, if we're both pulled over, that Shanae has to film me and something, and then something has to be done about that. Like, those are traumatic experiences wow. and traumatic thoughts that you will never have to have. Wow. Right? Um, I don't want to go for too long. No, um, The other thing is, my, my um, two other things. One thing, I know we have to be, I don't no, know what dude. the time is. No, nope, you're good. We'll just open up a Zoom um, after this. No, right. You could just join yeah, us yeah, at the to. Zoom. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Because, you mentioned the book of Exodus, because uh, the... So if you didn't know, there's a period of time where when whites would give blacks, um, black slaves um, Bibles, they would take out the book of Exodus. I mean, <laughs> and then you have to think, out of that is birthed everything that we know today in wow, some yes. way. Um, you can, to Elliot's point, mm-hmm. you could say, no, I don't believe that. No, I'm against that. No, I would never X, Y, and Z. But if you only listen and and consume white theologians, how would you ever know any of these things? It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to you. So um, I think you, we are quicker to listen to white theologians because of their skin. White skin is powerful. It is so powerful. Um, you, have, you, have to, you have to know that. If you don't you ha- like to your point. You have to embrace that reality. And I also want to say, because my mom would say something like, "Well, you need to make sure that you're affirming um, other races and not just talking about the power of white skin." So, to my mom, I would say, "This is not to denote people that look like me, um, people that are non-white, um, but to just highlight." the privilege that you have because your skin is white. Yeah. Um, the last thing I would say is the reason why this is a gospel issue is because, which I was sharing with you guys earlier, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman, there was a couple of things that were happening with her life prior to Jesus. I, I'm not going to say that I came, came with this on my own. I listened to Robert Zacharias thing, and then I kind of formulated a thought. So, um, Rejection in her life prior to meeting Jesus was rejection of men from men, because she had countless amount of relationships. 
um, rejection for being a woman in this cultural context, and then rejection for being a Samaritan. And then you have Jesus that comes to her at the well and just communicates with her, Mm. gives her dignity, probably for the first time in her entire life. Wow. God himself does that to her. That's why this is a gospel issue. Mm. Because people like me and people that are non-white experience rejection in this cultural context, have been, have been experiencing rejection our entire life. And Jesus comes to people like me and gives me dignity, oh. right? So you have to, as a believer, dignify the, the, the human race as a whole. You have to dignify brothers and people that don't look like you. Because if you don't, two things. One, your life is just going to be so, like your thinking is going to be so small. The way Mm. you process God is going to be so small. You're robbing yourself of seeing God in full splendor. That's it. The second thing is, um, if you don't do that, it comes at such detriment to people that are non-white. Yeah, wow. Yes. Dude, thank you. Drop of course, the mic. thank that, you. I know that was that was lengthy. No, no, man, that's huge. That's huge. Um, well, guys, I want to kind of just go down. Just any last, if you're hitting on a tack, um, just kind of you know opportunities to share some. But also some that we um, you know talked about. I think Joel specifically. You all know if you've ever heard me preach, I'm not great at giving like practical um, stuff, and so there is a sense of to get an amen on that um amen. yeah <laughs> more than theoretical um but um what what are some like some what nows like so what do i do i care okay i know i'm gonna i'm gonna fumble i'm gonna mess yep. up i i mean what what are some kind of what nows i, w- I would love this because i love the practical i'm like please i'm a doer <laughs> give me something to do so uh, you hate my preaching yeah no, yes kidding. it's okay in <laughs> essence it's good now just the end um i just fill in the rest <laughs> i will say this I think, again, you cannot pick a middle side. I think many people on the other side of the screen would say wholeheartedly declare it from the rooftops, I oppose racial injustice. Okay, we're there. Step one. But step two, and again, these need to go hand in hand, is do I support and engage in their justice? Mm. Because you can oppose it all day and then do nothing about it. They have to go hand in hand. We're talking about for all, all people of color, all people on the margins. Okay. So again, you need to be not only saying, I, you know, I'm not a racist. I don't want to be about this. Like I hate everything that's going on. What are you doing? Are you opposing those things? But are you supporting justice? Are you rebuking things? Are you questioning things? And again, let's just get real practical. Here's some things, critical reading. We cannot do this work for you. We cannot. No one can. You're, you're, you have to start understanding the history of our nation. And this is, we're all in this together. You got to let go of this. Well, I didn't do it. Okay. None of us did, but we're here, aren't we? Mm. So let's address, start reading. There are plenty of resources. We will give some of the, start reading about this, about the oppressed people. I mean, it's not just blacks. It's, it's all people face your personal bias. Like Elliot said, face it, accept it. The only way to grow from it is if you, 
if you attack it head on because it will remain unchanged and it will remain unchallenged if you don't face it. And lastly, you have to dialogue with people from other perspectives. Hmm. I appreciate you dialoguing with yeah, us today. This is sure. a, this is a start. You have to start dialoguing and taking risks. Yeah. Because I honestly believe in my heart of hearts when you start doing those things, when you start seeing the realities, when you start understanding the suffering and the oppression that's happening, you will not you can't help but start to want to suffer with them. Mm-hmm. You you when you start understanding it, you will be like, "Why did it take me this long?" I just believe the spirit will use your offering. He will use, I mean, doesn't Jesus do that? Use what the widow had. Use my, here, here, take, take the little bit that I have. This is scary. I'm afraid. Take my little bit. He will make an overflow. He will, he will bring you wisdom and insight beyond what you could imagine. Man, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I would even add to just, um, you know, uh, the way of Jesus is he, he comes into our, our brokenness and our mess. You know, he meets us where we're at there, you know. So it is going to be messy, like trying to figure out, you know, what questions do I need to ask? But, I mean, if you genuinely take an interest in wanting to build a relationship with somebody uh, uh, who's not of the same race um, uh, as you, then I think that that is, you know, that's a good place to start. You know, mm. like take a genuine interest in you know, other image bearers, you know, and I think we have to see people as that they are other. Um, The Imago Dei is in them, you know, and we need to recognize that. Um, I definitely think we need to be, you know, quick to listen and, and have a posture of like learning, like Jenny said. I mean, there's, uh, there's a great book that we we went through recently, The Color of Compromise, that lays out a lot of things that talk about the historical aspects of just things that have happened in this country. Um, that's a mm. that's that could be a place to start. Also, Letters from a Birmingham Jail, yeah, um, by Dr. King. I think that that would be a great resource as well because that speaks to a lot of things that we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, it, it, and it, and we also might have to get involved locally, like take an interest in wanting to know about the local elections that go on because these people drive some of the policies that get developed. And we, as we know that policy affects people, you know, mm. so we, we need to have a, take an interest in those things. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if we just, you know, start with those, uh, I mean, there's organizations, the Anne Campaign, Faith for Justice, that are really trying to bring a, a biblical um, lens or have a biblical lens to um, activism and things like that. That that could be another place to start. Just start. Yeah. Wow. Guys, that's good. Um, Elliot, were you going to say something? Yeah, I, I just think Romans 12, too, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to learn listen. The posture of humility is unbelievable when I put myself underneath um, someone who's not white to read their book, to listen to their ideas, to receive it, um, to watch a movie not, not made by a white director, to humble myself, to sit and listen and, and read and, and watch. And I, I, that's the posture because we're not I'm not going to grow until I have new info coming in Hmm. and I'm going to have to seek. I have, that is an intentional thing because if I'm passive as Jenny's saying, it's never going to happen. It has to be active. Um, 
Jesus is not white and he's not American. Mm. He's God. And we have to sit at the feet of God um, because if we believe Jesus is white and we believe that Jesus is American, then we also believe that the laws that are in place will change this. And only God can change a heart. That's it. Wow. This cannot be changed by any other method than God changing your heart. Changing hearts, man. Amen. I, I would love to keep this going. I think we all would. We've recognized there's so much. Um, I want to acknowledge, too, again, as, as we close, that you all gave, put a lot of work into this and shared, but it was also you sharing your, your heart, your experience, your life. I, I hope, church, that we recognize that, that as we listen, um, maybe someone turned it off and the Holy Spirit is bringing you back around to watch it again. Um, I, I want to acknowledge again, there, there's, it's taking a lot of courage, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of love and trust, I think. And, um, and it's in some ways a very, I think, an honor and a privilege to have gotten to hear real um, processing. That, and, and, and just um, I want to just kind of remind that because you, you all spoke so much truth and it was also really personal. Um, and again, you're members of our church, our seed leaders, worship leaders. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for you. Um, and with that, uh, let's go ahead and, and close out in prayer before we continue some time in, in song. So Joel, would you mind um, praying for us? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, this day. God, thank you for just your your grace upon us today, Lord. Lord, thank you for um, just being able to have this conversation today, Lord, um, as hard as it was, um, Lord, as real and raw as it was, Father, um, it was needed. And Lord, we just thank you for um, just your spirit prompting that on the leadership of this church's heart and um, on all of our the, the members of the panel on their hearts as well. We just thank you for that. God, we just pray that you would lead us all individually to um, examine our hearts in areas, Lord, where we have um, given in to um, injustices and, and uh, played a part in them in some way. Father, I pray that Lord, you would lead us to repent I pray, God, that, um, Lord, knowing and seeing and, and hearing the things that we learned today, Father, would just be um, a start that you would propel us all, Lord, into uh, being uh, more active and, uh, and being bridge builders to really uh, put an end to, Lord, this ugly monster, Lord, that we know of as racism. Um, and these injustices that uh, occur in this country. Father, just continue to, to lead and shepherd us and guide us. Um, Lord, we love you and we thank you for just this time. In Jesus' name, amen.